This embryo that's, that's saying, mama, mama, and the uterine wall say, baby, baby. And they come together hormonally, chemically for this magical dance so that that trophoblast can invade the wall of the uterus using these metalloproteins, uh, enzymes, to build its own blood supply. If your continuing search for answers has led you nowhere, you will find the truth here on the Forbidden Doctor Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Jack. And Mary. And we are here with podcast episode number 99, What Enzymes Are to Cancer, Penicillin Is to Bacteria. What we're going to talk about today is a cancer cure that was discovered 130 years ago. Hmm. Uh, very brave, very courageous doctors have used the enzyme therapy successfully for cancer several times over the last century. Yeah, but unfortunately, these advances have been prosecuted and oh, covered yes. up by the FDA and the monolithic cancer industry. They are forbidden. Well, one thing that's true in the modern medical world, if there is no money involved, there is no problem. Yeah. <laughs> and conversely, or the corollary to that would be, if there's a lot of money involved, ooh, there's a big problem here. <laughs> because it's mistakenly understood that, that what cancer is, how it forms, uh, what it does to us, is something only recently discovered and understood. But the truth is that these questions regarding cancer were well understood over a hundred years ago. But like anything else, when money is involved, coupled with fear and control, the truth is pushed aside and covered up. So what we're going to tell you all about today is, is about this cure. So you can do with it as you will. So one of the most exciting things that's happened to us before we get here into the podcast is that after a long, exhaustive investigation of us by Amazon, they have approved us for sale for our enzyme product on their site. <laughs> and because we put forbidden words like supporting diabetes and helping cancer in our description, we had to go through this... We, uh, Extra, many weeks, yes. many weeks of an extra long application process. Yeah, because those forbidden words are only allowed to be used by the cancer and diabetes medical industry. Yes, yeah, they're not they're not health terms; they're legal terms. And that's what the courts have decided. Those words are legal words, yeah, not health words. So much is being kept so, from us. You know. Anyway, just remember, you have to search "long life energy enzymes" in quotes. Yeah. And if you buy it on Amazon, Amazon and you leave us a good review and you had good benefit from it, we would love you to leave us, you know, a review because that is the purpose that we, that is what keeps us. Well, well we need reviews. Yeah. Actually, Bill cut out that whole part. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Go back to if you buy it on Amazon. Yeah, so if you buy it on Amazon and it was benefit had a benefit for you, leave us a good review. We'll make it worth your time because we need reviews in order to rip a hole in our current health care. <laughs> we we refer you to podcast seventy six to understand what we mean by ripping a hole in the universe. Oh, and that's a great podcast. That's too. what we if have to I do. I do say so myself. Yeah. So we have this personalized supplement protocol that's designed specifically for you. 
You just go to our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com, and take the free symptom survey. Yeah, and you'll get your own personalized supplement protocol at no charge. It's normally $150 value, and we'll give you a username and password so you can go further into our website. And you'll see your when you, when you get your username and password, when you sign on, you will see your very own yes. supplement protocol sitting there waiting that for we you. made for you. Based on your survey. Yeah. And then, and, and then once you've done this, once you have the username and password, you'll have access to over 700 plus protocols from which you can search any symptom in the world. For example, you can just type in cancer in the search box and up pops the protocol we recommend for cancer support. So you can tell your family, your friends, if you're not already a member, the only way to see the protocols is to take that survey. And also, I do a national radio show on Tuesday mornings, 7 to 8 a.m. Mountain Standard, Easter, or, 8 a, or 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Doug Steffen Good Day Show. I've been a guest on Doug's show for 10 years now. Oh, longer than that, I 10 think. years, and I'm on for a full hour now on Tuesdays, which is replayed Saturday at 6 a.m. Mountain Standard, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. But in the Salt Lake City area, I'm also on KTALK AM 630, the voice of Utah, at 6 a.m. Saturday mornings. Yeah, and you know, you're the alternative medical authority on that show. They have a medical authority. They have a cardiologist from Florida. Right, but you're the alternative one. Yes. It's, this is a really great yeah. thing, and you're able to get out some beautiful forbidden secrets. Yeah, and sometimes Dr. Ken... The cardiologist and I agree, and sometimes we don't. <laughs> sometimes I have another idea. Okay. All right, you can join our texting blasts. Uh, they come out weekly to receive discounts, special coupons. You just text the word HEALTHY to 41411. In other words, where you would normally put the phone number, you put the numbers 41411, and then just type the word HEALTHY where you would normally type a text to someone. Empowering the forbidden doctor inside. Yeah, and just another reminder, we're not the forbidden doctor. You are. The forbidden are. doctor is inside it's of you. inside of you. And the forbidden part is that you're forbidden to know this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we're going to do a little disclaimer here. This keeps us safe so we can continue to give out forbidden information. This webinar podcast is not intended to be a diversion away from the current system of disease management. It is our intention to offer a rational and very effective approach to aiding your body in its ability to build, rebuild, and heal. If you are having a real crisis, get to the ER as soon as possible. Do not pass go. Do not call our office. Just go. Amen. Now, I was in histology, which is the study of tissues, uh, in my professional training uh, almost 25 years ago. Yeah, when you were in school. And we, when I was in school, and we studied various tissue types, healthy tissue and disease tissue. And we also studied cancer. We didn't spend a whole lot of time on it because we're not oncologists. But we were taught the prevailing theory at the time, which is also was taught in medical schools and is to some degree still kicked around in, in the literature today. And that is that the idea of cancer are these mature cells that just go nuts. These mature, worn out... That should be dying. Should be 
apoptosis. You call it apoptosis, but you know you're from the east, so you're a little. You know, you have this little. You say potatoes, you know, tomatoes. But anyway, apoptosis, the natural death of a cell, the programmed death of a cell. The programmed death of a cell. So these are cells that are matured. They've been, you know, like a red blood cell is about 120 days and it starts to, it needs to be replaced. Yes, but of course, red blood cells don't have cancer. Right. They're not... They're not, the they have no DNA, in fact. Right. They're, they're, they're it's made. It's the white blood cells that it's causes the white the blood c- leukemia. Leukemia is the white blood cell that just got a little hungry for its little sister, the red blood cell. So what, so what were you taught? We were taught the same thing they teach in medical school, that the idea that these dead, dying cells just go nuts at the last second, and they don't just, you know, go softly into that dark night. <laughs> But they f- rage, rage against the dying of the light. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> so they go nuts. They go crazy and they start growing at rapid rate and multiplying like crazy. That and, is so ridiculous. Well, why? Because if you take it to its logical conclusion, and if I had been in that classroom, I would have raised my hand and said, you know what? With, if this theory is true, we have discovered the cure for aging. If these old mature cells can go back to their undifferentiated state, they can go back to, they can get young again and be this massive embryonic tissue with tons of energy in it, like a little child has just so much energy to grow and grow and grow and then eat up healthy tissue. Then we have found the cure for aging. Yeah, we just take all of our cells and make them young and vibrant. Yeah, again. I mean, just follow the programming of these crazy cells that die or are supposed to die have great growth potential. Yes. So that's not what medical science believes anymore. No, so this is this was with the discovery uh, several decades ago of the stem cell, but the last two decades the stem cell has become very prominent in the understanding of cancer. Now, stem cells, and, and usually when we hear about stem cells, it's re, they're usually talking about bone marrow. You're but, right. But stem cells are throughout the entire body. And stem cells are incredibly small, undifferentiated cells. Young. Very young, undifferentiated, which means they don't look any different from the rest. They look exactly the same. Yeah. So you can't tell a stem cell from a liver, a liver stem cell from a kidney stem cell. No, they look exactly the same. Right. And it's only when that stem cell starts to develop into the tissue cell where it's located, it's the local growth factors, what are known as the protomorphogens, Mm -hmm. the local growth factors that tell that stem cell, you are now a kidney cell. You know, it's like the NFL draft that's been going on. Like, you are now a Bronco. You <laughs> but he could have been are with, now a Patriot. No, it's not, no, it's not that. Is you're a linebacker or you're a wide receiver. Yeah, you're going to be a wide receiver on this team, not a quarterback, but a wide receiver. Right. Well, that's what happens with stem cells inside the body. Now, stem cells were discovered a long, 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 long yeah. time ago. Back in the back before the last century, back in the nineteenth century by Dr. James Beard. Well they were discovered before that, but Dr. James Beard brought them into um Well he noticed the, that in the development and this is the connection with baby and conception. Cells, he didn't call them stem stem cells. He called them migrating vagrant cells or something like that. Fermenting. Yeah. Fermenting I I could look it up for you. Could could you look it up? (laughs) Anyway, um, vagrant trophoblast. Vagrant trophoblast. Oh. Now the trophoblast. Well, you were right. Yeah, the trophoblast. 
Let me explain that really quick. Because when the egg and the sperm meet, mm -hmm. then you get cell division. And it doesn't go 2, 4, you know, 8, 16, 32. There's a really odd thing that takes place at the very beginning. Within, a, within the first week where the egg and the sperm meet as one cell, it, it's now up over 100 cells, and it's called a trophoblast. And this trophoblast is what implants itself into the uterine wall. And we talk about this a lot in the podcast on um, 97, the, the cure for 97% of all cancers. We also talk about it in the, previous, or the recent one, uh, How to Tell if Cancer Has Started in You. And we get into this, and just by way of review a little bit, um, what happens with this trophoblast, once it falls out of the fallopian tube into the posterior wall of the uterus, preferably, it starts producing enzymes that eat through the wall of the uterus and releases enzymes. They're called uh, uh, matrix, matrix metalloproteinases. Mm -hmm. Proteinases, in other words, they slice up protein, A's. the protein wall. Protein A's and, cuts up. And it, it cuts through the wall of the uterus. It releases hormones itself that trigger something called angiogenesis, the formation of blood vessels, mm -hmm. because it's looking for its own blood supply. And, it, and it, it ends up penetrating. Because the egg only has enough food for a couple of days. Not very long. Yeah. And it's got to get food quick or it will die. And its food is going to be the mother's blood supply. Now, interestingly enough, when the egg, fertilized egg, puts out this hormonal contact chemical messenger system, the uterus, already triggered by the, the changing levels of luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone, LH and FSH, is sitting there waiting for it. It's like the, the catcher there waiting for the pitch from the pitcher. And so it, the, the uterus puts out these tiny little hair-like things called pinopods. And as soon as the egg hits one of those things, the uterus says, come on, baby, <laughs> the soup is on. And it starts providing for this embryo that's, that's saying, mama, mama. And the uterine wall is saying, baby, baby. And they come together hormonally, chemically for this magical dance so that that trophoblast can invade the wall of the uterus using these metalloproteinases, uh, enzymes, to build its own blood supply. Now, at this point, as soon as it gets a blood supply, it goes through an extremely rapid growth. Yeah. As has been said by anatomists before, 90% of all your growth as a human being happens before you're born. Yeah. From the time you're a baby to growing to adult, that's the last 10% of your growth. The first 90% is inside the uterus. I don't know, though. Rourke grew a whole foot <laughs> in one, I guess, a few months. So. <laughs> yeah, he did. But that fertilized egg is only the size of a period at the end of a sentence. And that, thing, and that thing is going to, and it needs a, a, a blood supply, oxygen supply to do that. It's got to eat. Now, that, now, what Dr. James Beard discovered back in the 1980s, he was an embryologist. 1980s, you mean Excuse 18, me, 1890s. 1890s. 1890s was when he, he started publishing about it. Prior to that, he had made some discoveries that the cancer cell acts exactly the same way. You have these stem cells. Now, a stem cell, imagine you and I have been to the redwood forest in California. Mm -hmm. These Stunning. massive, massive giants. Mm -hmm. 
But there's these little redwood trees growing all around them that are, aren't even as tall as we are. You can see in their makeup and their design that nature's going to take care of this 2,000-year-old structure by creating another one next to it. That's what the stem cells are like that. The stem cells are all throughout our entire body. The reason that we harvest stem cells from the marrow of a long bone, which I understand is an extremely painful operation. Oh, yeah, touching but the to bone. get stem cells out, out of there, they're very they're very concentrated and you don't disrupt the health of the bone that much. You will if you take the marrow out of it. But when you get these stem cells that are separated from that material, you have an abundance of stem cells. That can be anything. That can go anywhere. So yeah. they will inject those stem cells into a weak, sick heart. They'll put it into a dysfunctional pancreas, a failing kidney, with the idea that those the stem cells... The beta cells of the pancreas the, is the newest it, thing with that new diabetic pump. Exactly. Yeah. And so what happens is the local growth factors of that unique tissue, heart, liver, kidney, uterus, whatever will stimulate that amount of harvested stem cells to become new healthy tissue in that particular organ. Now, environmental factors. Smoking is one of the big ones. Yeah, well, we know that. But other environmental factors, such as a terrible diet, uh, uh, solvents, uh, the the kinds of poisons, the, the fertilizers, herbicides, the kinds of stuff that we're... Uh, exposed to all the time now in the modern day world that they never got exposed to, you know, even a hundred years ago, a lot of these chemicals and things didn't even exist. Mm -hmm. And petroleum based products, one of the reasons behind, I believe, the explosion of cancer in the in the modern world, will trigger these stem cells, not the old mature cells. That theory has been disproven very well. It stimulates these new uh, stem cells, they go nuts and they remain undifferentiated to a particular state, except they will pick up the characteristics a little bit of the host tissue, whether it's breast cancer, liver cancer, kidney cancer, because when those cells are looked at under a microscope, yes, that's a cancer cell from the kidney. Yes, that's a cancer cell. They have a, 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 a striking similarity. Besides the location where they find them. Right, the tumor in the lung, the tumor right. in the kidney. It's a giveaway. That, hmm. yeah. It's not a big toe cancer because it came <laughs> from the liver. However, they have the same exact proteinases uh, enzymes that, malignant. that they use to penetrate mm -hmm. through the basement membrane of the host tissue, liver, kidney, uterus, thyroid, whatever else, to get a blood supply. To eat. It has to have a blood supply. And as soon as it, but it's be, because it's you, it's your stem cells, it's using the same enzymes that the trophoblast, the, the, the conceived human ovum, uses the same. Uh, matrix so metalloproteinases, and it recognizes it, it says, as, come on in, come on in, baby. I've got all the food you could want. Yeah. And it's sitting out there going, mm hmm. <laughs> she bought it, and they and it goes into the blood supply. It gets a blood supply, and it has the same genetic potential that the ovum, the human fertilized ovum, does for rapid explosive growth. That embryonic. Now, why doesn't an embryo, a human, fetal, the, the developing baby, why doesn't it become cancer? 
Well, it is kind of a cancer. Well, it's kind of a cancer yeah. in that it invaded the wall of the uterus the same way a cancer cell will invade the wall mm-hmm. of a uterus or any other basement organ. Mm-hmm. Not the soft cancers like lymphoma, myeloma, leukemia, not those, but the cancers of the hard organs. Well, you tell us how. Drum roll. I was just coming to that. <laughs> and this is what Dr. Beard discovered back in the 1890s. When he was doing embryological studies, he first started off with invertebrates like worms and things like that, and then got into chicks, finally got into mammals. And he began to notice something remarkably similar from one mammal to the next, and that is the development of the pancreas inside the fetus. All of them, all mammals have a pancreas. Mm-hmm. Now, whether it's an herbivore, a carnivore, or like humans, omnivores, they have a pancreas that that produces digestive enzymes and insulin. And all animals, all mammals, not all animals, all mammals have the same insular response to the presence of glucose in the system, so they need insulin to make sure that the glucose gets into their bloodstream that they have enzymes that help regulate the breaking down of fats from triglycerides into diglycerides into free fatty acids, whatever else is necessary for their life. But they also have the same protein-digesting enzymes. Obviously, lions and tigers and bears have a lot more than sheep and deer and cattle. But the protolytic enzymes, and humans have these too. And the one thing that he noticed that was extremely troubling at the time, but just really sparked his imaginative research, was that at a certain point of fetal development before they're born, the pancreas starts releasing pancreatic enzymes into the bloodstream. Now, why? Because they're not eating. They're not eating sugar. Yeah. They're not eating fat. They're not eating meat. There is no food, protein, thank you, there is no food in the digestive system, none. So why would the pancreas come online? On the 56th day in humans, the little tiny babies. Now, the 56th day is just eight weeks, two months. I mean, it's still, it's barely halfway through the first trimester. Organs are forming like crazy. The pancreas is formed at this point, not completely, but enough that trypsin and chymotrypsin are being released from the pancreas into the digestive system. And there's no food present for it to digest. So either the pancreas is very stupid (laughs) and has arrived like the wedding caterer two months before the wedding (laughs) and is wondering where the wedding party is. Where's all the food? i got to digest all this food. I have all these these going to eat all this food I brought? Right. Well, the pancreas is making these things and they're released into the bloodstream and... In a human embryo, or it's a fetus at this point, at this point of eight weeks of life, incredibly fast cellular replication that has built the placenta doesn't stop, but it greatly slows down. The brakes just... It just puts on the brakes. Now the baby grows. But that placenta, that invading trophoblastic tissue... Trophoblastic suddenly that had the same rapid explosive growth that cancer cells do, the same way, the same enzymes, the same chemical processes, suddenly on the 56th day when these enzymes enter into the bloodstream of the fetus, the growth... Because you've got the umbilical cord now, and you've got a good connection... 
good connection to the mother. The mother's eating liver, you know, because they've listened to our she, podcast. She knows that's the best prenatal That's how food she that got she pregnant in the first place yes, is right. she was eating the liver with the zinc so she can make the spark of life. There you go. So she knows that, you know, she'll give her baby liver as its first food after it's born. And so they have that umbilical cord, which is feeding the baby now. You don't need to keep eating into the uterus of the mother to get no, more. No, it's already anchored. Yeah, it's there. So, the, Matt, somebody's got to stop this continual eating. The placenta is anywhere from 8 to 10 inches wide and 2 inches thick. Mm-hmm. And it is the most, at this point in time, blood-rich uh, organ. Or not, it's not an organ. Well, I don't know if it's called an organ or not. Concentration of tissue in the body and that the baby's blood is coming within a cellular or two cellular division away from the mama's blood. Mm-hmm. And now that that's anchored mm-hmm. and set and everything is cool. Don't need it You anymore. don't need it to grow to the size of a gigantic <laughs> well, extra pepperoni cheese into, pizza. eat into the mother anymore. You know, this is interesting because I have a patient um, of our clinic who comes and sees me and she has not been able to get pregnant. She wanted to have one more child. She's only 35, five. She's, only, she's got four children. She wanted one more. And she had had eight or nine miscarriages. And she always lost them at eight weeks. So she just texted me. She, isn't that interesting? Yeah, just what that, we're talking yeah. about. So she texted me. She's um, at eight weeks and she has her 12th week um, exam. Uh, exam. And she's just crossing her fingers. Like, we finally got her pregnant. It's, I think it's been a year and a half or something. Nutritionally speaking, I might add. Yes, <laughs> we didn't do anything else, honestly. And she um, did her whole gut reconditioning. Uh, she was in terrible shape. I don't know how she got the four babies out, but terrible shape. Anyway, she got pregnant. She's so excited. So I'll have to get back to you on the podcast to see if this baby makes yeah. it. So well, eight weeks is a common time for the spontaneous abortion to take place. Yeah, I'm wondering if that has something to do with the pancreas well, not coming online. Well, I wonder if it online. does too, because if... The pancreas does not come online, and the chymotrypsin and trypsin enzymes are not released into the fetal bloodstream to, to slow down the growth. The, well, eventually, uh, essentially a malignancy, rapid, super rapid growth of this tissue. What do they call it? Well, choriocarcinoma. Choriocarcinoma. It's one of the most deadly forms of carcinoma a woman can have, cancer. It will kill her, and it will kill the baby. It's where the baby never stops eating into you. Well, the placenta. Placenta, the placenta turns into a cancerous tumor mm-hmm. and consumes the mother and the baby dies as it's a result. Horrible. It rarely happens. Rarely happens, but it can happen. Now, why doesn't a cancer cell do that? What, on 56th day? On the 56th day of the <laughs> life of the cancer. Because the or cancer is not a pancreatic great. organ releasing pancreatic enzymes. This was so stunning that when Dr. Beard began to publish this information, that the transformation of the early cancer-like trophoblast into a mature placenta was such a remarkable biological feat, and its comparison to the actual cancer cell, he believed that the two of them were not only alike in microscopic appearance, they were like in actual performance. But then, bing, (laughs) the light of knowledge hits him, And he witnessed every, every, not just humans, every mammalian species he studied the very day that this trophoblastic placenta, this fetal placenta, and it's, you know, different depending on the gestational period of pregnancy for the various mammals, it would would convert from this very, uh, a very poorly differentiated tissue into a very mature placenta. 
And this embryonic pancreas began synthesizing and secreting all of these digestive enzymes when there was no food present for them to digest. So as he's sitting there scratching his head, he says, hmm, this is very strange because that must have some other function. Well, contemporary uh, biologists at the same time, not just Dr. Beard, there were some contemporary biologists who said, yeah, that's right, the, uh, the, uh, the fetal pancreas does become active approximately when the trophoblast begins transforming into the mature placenta. There are other, I mean, he wasn't the only one, to, you know, studying this kind of stuff. So he, when he announces what he called the trophoblastic theory of cancer in Lancet. 1902. 1902. Yeah, Lancet. That, explain what Lancet well, is. Well, Lancet, Lancet is probably the oldest of medical journals on the planet. Yeah, I mean, it's right next to the British Medical Journal as far as, it's like JAMA. Mm-hmm. It's like the New England Journal of Medicine. It's like the American Medical Association Journal. All these different kinds of medical journals that exist. Well, they were existing back then. And we get this idea, uh, erroneously, that somehow a hundred years ago, you know, they didn't know, you know, their brains from dirt when it came to cancer. But by 1900, there were institutions very much devoted to cancer research, like Sloan Kettering. I yeah. mean, anybody that knows anything about cancer knows about Sloan Kettering in New York. Well, they were already up and running in 1900 when Dr. Beard was doing his work at trying to unravel the biology of cancer. And, and by Beard's day, the investigators had already been able to correctly describe the histology. In other words, the understanding of, of a cancer cell, its behavior, and even the chromosomal aberrations, because they had very good microscopes in those days. All the different kinds of varieties, carcinogenic diseases. So they knew what cancer was, they just didn't know what caused it. And so when Dr. Beard came out with his trophoblastic theory of cancer, uh, this just blew the blew the medical world to pieces because the the medical journals of the day and eventually about in 1906 the Journal of the American Medical Association and the British Medical Journal uh, also started talking about Dr. Beard's work and what Dr. Beard did to prove there was one particular case he did where he had these tumor laden mice I mean these these mice were just absolutely full of tumors. He took two of them and injected the tumor in the mouse with these proteolytic enzymes that were developing inside a fetal animal. Hmm. And he injected them right into the tumors, and he described the result that happened after that. The, the mice were completely cleaned out or completely cured of the cancer. He injected extract of trypsin into two mice. Growing yeah, such cancers, the yeah, the tumor completely regressed. Yes. Um, now, in the medical record, the, the Journal of the Medical Me- Record of 1906, there was a New York physician, Clarence Rice, and his article was Treatment of Cancer of the Larynx by Subcutaneous Injection of Pancreatic Extract. Trypsin. That's with, what it says With trypsin. There. Yeah. And the, hist- and the, 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 the author of the article finally, finally finished by saying this was a remarkable cure. Yeah. And a month later, then 1906, a New York physician, Margaret Cleves, described two patients in the medical record. The first was a woman with recurrent large tumor of the tongue that stabilized on enzyme treatment. And at the time of that publication, the patient hadn't been on therapy very long, but seemed to be improving substantially. The, the, the other one was this fellow, and colorectal cancer was rather rare back then. 
but he had a case of this rectal can- carcinoma. He had tumor necrosis. I mean, the the two, and then the tumor liquefaction as a result of the trypsin trypsin injections. It completely sloughed off with it the trypsin injections. You zipped over the subtitle. I'm sorry to go back, but it's just so important. This Dr. Clarence Rice. Um, the treatment of cancer of the larynx. He had a subtitle called A Case of Growth Supposed to be Carcinoma Cured. Yes. Cured. Yes. And the reason I brought up Sloan Kettering and the understanding of cancer today is because when they saw a tumor and they took extract from it, a biopsy, mm-hmm. and looked at it in a microscope, oh, yeah, that's liver cancer. They oh, knew. yeah, that's kidney cancer. They knew what they were looking at. They knew back then. So when these medical journals published this stuff, they knew what they were publishing. I, I know we're going to break this this uh, concept, Mary, that we're talking about today into two different podcasts. Yeah. And I want to kind of wrap this up here pretty quick before we go too much further into it. But a little bit of the history. Because as soon as medical journals were publishing Dr. Baird's work, there were clinics springing up all around here in America and mostly in the British Isles where Dr. Beard was located out of the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, Scotland, uh, using his methods. And some people were very, very successful with it. Some other doctors weren't because as just like today, anytime something new hits the news, there's 20 different companies out there that are saying, let's isolate that particular operative chemical and make a multi-level Business. marketing business out of it. and Well, that's kind of what they did with the enzymes, the, the protolinic trypsin. And so with the enzymes, and the enzymes had to be extracted and prepared and in a certain proportion of, of fully active, precur- non-active precursor and fat content until the whole thing came together in the perfect cocktail to do the work. Yes, and so... But- well, go ahead. I'm just going to say they made some decisions that carried on for decades, if not an entire century, that you should take the fat out of the enzymes yes. that they extracted the out of the pancreas. The fat that was in the pancreas. They said you should take the fat out because they thought it was just an inert. Just a filler. Yeah. And it's so critical for these. And they also thought that the enzyme should be activated. And that's proven to be wrong too. And they also thought you should inject the tumors with the enzymes, and that has been proven that that's not the best way at all. I think it was right up until about the 1970s that that was still it was. Know, out there on the edge, on the periphery of medical cancer treatment, but it was still being used until the a, the FDA came out and said no more injectable they enzymes. They outlawed it. They, they outlawed yes. some, something yeah. that could have worked. That, that was working. Yes, it was Provided they working. got the right pancreatic enzyme extract. Well, there was people doing this everywhere, and they just said, we got to control this. And so it didn't work all the time because it wasn't the best way. Because the enzyme they, preparation was not the best enzyme that's preparation. That's right. There were a lot of different companies that were racing to the marketplace to sell these, and it was still, still in a very experimental stage back then. And they and outlawed so it. Some of them had very effective enzymes. Some of them had enzymes that, enzymes that weren't all that effective, but it was because of the enzyme not the concept behind the treatment. Well, kind of. The concept that the, you should inject right into the tumor was not a correct concept, but it worked. Well, it worked because it dissolved the tumor. Yes, but but it, it isn't the best way 
It's not the way well, they, our bodies work. Let's put it that well, way. Well, that's true. It's not the way our bodies work. Our bodies don't work by injections. <laughs> but it was believed for a long time that the hydrochloric acid in the stomach would destroy these enzymes before they could get into the intestine, absorbed into the bloodstream, and get to the tumor and dissolve the tumor. But that's not true. But several studies, several published medical studies have shown that these enzymes taken orally remain inert yeah. in hydrochloric acid in the stomach. The hydrochloric acid, even though they're made out of proteins, are untouched by the hydrochloric yeah, acid Yeah, there's a study, the this couple of guys that studied it for 24 years and finally published their findings that the enzymes are not hurt by the stomach, the stomach acids. Well, above and, and beyond the realities of all the scientific politics that go on out there, I suspect it was the poor quality enzyme products that did much to undermine Dr. Beard's treatment. Yeah, so they had and people that got better and people that didn't. And, you know, the, the lay well, person we down the street it. was right. doing this. And yes. they just said, no, this is a medical procedure. So they outlawed injectable well, enzymes. Well, that's not till the 1970s. Right. Back in the 1910s and the 1911s oh, and the 1920s. This was when Madame Curie showed up. And mm -hmm. we've talked about we've her talked in earlier about podcasts with her totally non-toxic, non-dangerous, <laughs> perfectly 100% cancer-killing x-rays. And we tell the story in other podcasts. We don't, need to we don't need to go into repeating that because we're pretty lengthy right now in this podcast. No, but here's, here's what it comes down to. You have always had in your body the perfect drug. I want a new drug, that type of thing. For cancer, we're always trying to find a drug, a chemotherapy Let's or something. Let's say the perfect answer for cancer, not a drug, because these enzymes aren't drugs. No, I know. But that's what we've been looking for right. in med medical that, that science. That magic bullet. That magic bullet that goes in and targets just the cancer cells and leaves healthy tissue alone. Right. That's what we wish chemotherapy did, but of course it doesn't. But And chemotherapy does work on about four I, different cancers. I've got to interrupt you for a second. That's okay. right. Chemotherapy works on four or five cancers. It won't work on the rest. But this is why the whole new push in cancer is immunotherapy now because they know chemo doesn't work. Right. They know radiation doesn't system. work. Yeah. They know surgical doesn't work because it comes back even after they the tumor has been the removed. They don't the reason for the cancer. Exactly. Yeah. And so now they're going after immunotherapy to build the immune system because they know your immune system is the first line of defense for cancer. So that's where all the research is going to now. Not how to get people to eat correctly. Or build their immune system. Or to build their immune correctly, system, not but to find drugs yeah, that will boost the immune response. And they're using stem cells, and they're putting stem cells in your body. Instead yep. of asking the question, why aren't we producing healthy stem cells? What happened to the beta cells in our pancreas that produces insulin? Why do I have to have stem cells injected into my pancreas? Yeah, what's wrong with my stem what's cells? What's wrong with my stem cells? Yeah, what well, happened? So that's, that's what we're here for. You got the forbidden doctor inside of you. You can fix this. So the magic pill that we've all been wanting, the magic drug to kill cancer is inside of your body. It's in your pancreas. So we need to strengthen the pancreas. We need to eat the foods that will do that. And that is the protolytic enzyme your pancreas produces to digest food and scour the body for mutated stem cells. And that is the trypsin that cuts off that malignant that's eating away at healthy tissue. And then the chymotrypsin that comes in and liquefies or liquefication of the tumor cells. This this is why uh, we produced the uh, long life energy enzymes. The reason why we produced that actually was for me because I needed some help with my pancreas at one time because a, an MRI exam of my uh, abdomen when I had some bad kidney stone problems showed that I had some severe pancreatic problems 
And I looked for something to help build the pancreas without me having to, you know, eat a pound of pancreas every day. Which would be okay. Which, but... yeah, well, yeah, as long as you, as long as you put on enough ketchup. <laughs> so there are many alternative approaches to cancer in the world today. And every country, every ethnic group, every natural healing philosophy has their own unique approach. They all work to some degree, more or less, or they wouldn't exist. And we chose the enzyme therapy because of its very rich and extensive doctor-controlled clinical proof that existed in Great Britain in the early part of the 20th century and in its clinical existence in America during the last 100 years, especially over the last 30 years, in the office of Dr. Nicholas Gonzalez and Dr. Linda Isaacs in New York City. And again, I'm going to repeat myself. There are books written on this subject beyond what you can see on the screen and what you saw earlier with Dr. Gonzalez. He's written several books. One in particular was a, a book of 50 case studies. Now, these case studies aren't, well, this person came in and I did this and this is what happened. These, all, all these studies show complete hospital profiling, blood panels, uh, enzyme tests, everything else that was done before he did his enzyme therapy and then the hospital test afterwards when the cancer was either gone or in complete remission or whatever else, without drugs, without surgery, without radiation. 50 case studies of people with something as serious as lethal pancreatic cancer alive decades, decades later. later. Decades later. It's an incredible book. So, that's, so we're not dissing any other... We're not trying to say this is that and this is better than this or that or anything. We just champion this because of the, the tremendous amount of evidence that exists to underscore its effectiveness. And so the enzymes that Dr. Beard championed, especially trypsin and chemotrypsin, are in our enzyme product in a very concentrated form. Yeah, know that we are not suggesting this for a cancer cure. No. We want to be really clear about that. While history has demonstrated its effectiveness, do not undertake the use of this product for a treatment of cancer without the express knowledge and compliance of your physician. Yeah. This does not take the place of your physician's therapy. Absolutely not. Now, so. remember, to be able to buy Lee Enzymes on Amazon, you have to search Long Life Enzymes in quotes. And if you buy it on Amazon and after using it have found it to be of a benefit to you, please leave us a good review. We'll make it worth your time. Trust us, that's all we can say, but we will make it worth your time because we need reviews in order to rip a hole in the universe of our current healthcare system. And you can go listen to podcast number 76 to understand what we mean by ripping a hole in the universe. Which was personally one of my favorite podcasts we ever but did. But we have to do this. We have to heal the world. We have to figure out a way with all these massive cancers, which is the number one killer of children now. Children. The number one killer of children. Up to age 15. Yeah. So we have to rip a hole in the universe. We have to fix this. So please leave us a review so we can start getting this product and helping people all over the world. So what you're looking at here in this slide is a list of the ingredients of our product. And essentially, it's the secret to the effectiveness of what 
our product has yeah. in it. So without having to go through this line by line, as we've done in other podcasts, we just have it here for information to show by its content that it's unlike any other product in the world to help bring your pancreas back to its normal healthy state. And this document is available for download on this podcast. So don't forget to get to take advantage of getting a personalized supplement protocol. I mean, this is a protocol designed specifically for you. So you won't be out buying supplements, some or even our buying supplements from us that, that you, you don't, don't need. need. Yes. Yeah, we this will save you money in the long run. You just simply go to our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com, and take our free symptom survey. That also does not cost. And you will get back a personalized supplement protocol. Now, I have to tell you, Jack, you spend a ton of time on these. I see you just sweating over there and looking things up and calling the nutritionist and saying, now, what did it say? What do you think? What's going on with this patient? And you have, I, I, you put together a letter basically yes. to these, each one of these people that send in a personalized supplement. Um, I mean, a person, I mean, do a free symptom survey. So it's really impressive. I don't think everybody understands how incredible this personalized supplement protocol is. Well, you know, when I read those survey results and, and, I, and I look at what their problems are and, and what's bothering them and I, and I see the medications they're taking and I, I don't know how else to reach out to them except by letter. I, there's not enough time in the day to call these people and talk to them. Yeah, I, mean, I I've see. got a patient load here in Salt Lake I've got to take care I of. I know, and I hope you can do this for a long time. Um, and hopefully, you know, our nutritionists can keep up on it too, because we've been getting in, what do we get? Like 30 a week? Yeah. Yeah. And you spend time th on 30, how many, how well, many other Tuesdays, doctors spend 30 letters a week? Do 30 letters a week <laughs> to their. Oh, Tuesdays on the, on the national show, when I actually sound like I know what I'm talking about, <laughs> we can get 50 in that week. Yeah, and that's a so, lot. You spend a lot of time. Yeah. You get up early in the morning and go in the office, and you do it late at night here at home, and I'm really impressed that you take that much time If you'll for go do one. the symptom survey, I could write a personal letter to you. <laughs> Maybe I should. You know, <laughs> nobody tells me what to take. Well, I figured out well, myself. Nobody dares tell you what to take. <laughs> so go to our, once you go in and do a free symptom survey, you'll get a username and password. Then go back to our website, sign in, and you will see your very own supplement protocol sitting there waiting for you. Yeah. It's really a beautiful thing. That kind of brings us to the end, doesn't it? Yeah. We have to always we have to, do we have a to disclaimer. Say this. We yeah, have to say go this. ahead. You get to do it this time. The statements made <laughs> in this webinar about specific <laughs> products have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration. Oh, good. I'm glad they haven't. And are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided or any other information contained on or in any product label or packaging on this webinar is for informational purposes only. It's not to be intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. <laughs> Did I do that in eight seconds? It is not FDA approved. It's not FDA That's approved. That's right. Go ahead and contact us for any reason. We have a texting line on there too. 801-556-1477. Um, that is monitored all during business hours and sometimes on weekends. So just give us a call, text us, email us, and we'll get back to you. All right. Okay. We'll see you on the next we'll show. We'll see you on the next show. <laughs>